Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The name's Fields, Craig Fields. And I'm Long, David Long. And you're listening to a very special episode of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast as it's our James Bond special. That's right, Craig. We will talk Bond. We will talk Daniel Craig's Bond. And most importantly, we will review the newly released No Time to Die. Indeed, we shall. Also, as a special episode, there's no time for the usual pleasantries, but I can confirm we are both well. We have a full menagerie of animals, including (laughs) and not limited to a rabbit and a dragonfly in the studio tonight. Uh, And we are both very excited for this episode (laughs) that we are dearest crag that we are so without further delay let's talk bond james bond In 1953, James Bond was born when Ian Fleming published his first novel, Casino Royale. In 1954, a live television episode entitled Casino Royale is released, and the first actor to play the spy was actually an American, and it was in the episode of the American dramatic anthology series Climax. The show was the first screen adaptation of a James Bond novel and starred Barry Nelson. In 1962, Eon Productions released Doctor No, its first adaptation of Ian Fleming's James Bond novels, and the spy was portrayed by none other than Sean Connery. Sean Connery would go on to play James Bond between 1962 and 1967. In 1967, Casino Royale, a comedy spy film originally produced by Columbia Pictures, starring an ensemble cast of directors and actors, is released. It is set as a satire of the James Bond film series and the spy genre, and is loosely based on Ian Fleming's first James Bond novel. The film stars David Niven as the original Bond, Sir James Bond 007. In 1969, George Lazenby becomes James Bond and remains, to this day, the only man to star in one James Bond film, which was Her Majesty's Secret Service. By 1971, Sean Connery is back and he stars in Diamonds Are Forever, which is the seventh (laughs) film in the official James Bond series. Between 1973 and 1985, it's time for Roger Moore to flex his muscles in the now ever-popular role of Bond. This doesn't stop Sean Connery returning one last time in 1983 for his last film, Never Say Never Again. By now, James Bond has become a household name, and between 1987 and 1989, Timothy Dalton plays Bond twice in The Living Daylights and License to Kill. The year is now 1995, and Piers Brosnan is cast as 007. Brosnan would go on to star in GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day, which coincidentally was the first James Bond I ever saw in the cinema in 2002. And this brings us up to date and the casting of Daniel Craig as James Bond. Craig has starred in Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and now No Time to Die. 
Over these many years with the use of his Walter PPK or the many gadgets that Q hands to him, 007 has killed hundreds of enemies. In 24 movies, James Bond has killed 597 people, according to Screen Rant. This is, of course, the number of kills before No Time to Die. Is Bond a killing machine in the new film? Is the film worth it? Stay tuned to find out. past isn't dead. James, fate draws us back together. Now your enemy is my enemy. His name is Safin. And what does he want? Revenge. Me. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. You can imagine why I've come back to play. There's a young lady in Santiago I want you to meet. You're late. When you're ready. Salute. I met your new double O. She's a disarming young woman. I get why you shot him. Yeah, well, everyone tries at least once. James Bond. We both eradicate people to make the world a better place. I just want to be a little tidier. Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you? And that was a trailer clip from the latest James Bond film, no time to die. Uh, we are fresh out of the cinema. I, well, I say fresh. It was 23 hours ago, more or less, <laughs> that we watched this film at a midnight screening. I didn't get home till 4 a.m. Well, yeah, about about 3.30 for me. I've actually snuck in a rewatch as well, Craig. Very cheeky. I took a cheeky half day at work, snuck in a rewatch, which I'm looking forward to talking about because a rewatch, I think, is always very, very important when analysing a film. Blimey. Well, you know, I, I, I would agree. I wish I could have seen it again myself, but I've had less than four hours sleep. Yeah. Um, and I'm back in the studio with it's David. It's late as well here it's, in the UK right now. It's it's nearly 11 o'clock now. So here we go. Um, we're going to kick this off with talking about Daniel Craig and mm. our favourite Daniel Craig bomb film. Um, David, would you like to kick off what your number one well, should we start at the bottom, actually? Yeah, let's start, let's start at the bottom. So we're going to do, we're not going to include no, t- no no time to die in this until we've done the review, and we're going to look back over our favourite Bond film, uh, well, Daniel Craig Bond films, and where that would slot in to our uh, uh, collection of films and where we like them. Um, so, David, what is your number four, then? So my number four is Quantum of Solace, directed by Mark Foster from... 2008 it was uh, Daniel Craig's second outing after Casino Royale I just remember leaving the cinema and being a little bit disappointed with Quantum of Solace uh, upon a rewatch a few years ago I was more impressed with it um, I remember a huge building exploding at the end and a man drinking oil um, <laughs> that's my summary of Quantum of Solace um, there's problems with that film we won't dive into them but it's it's I 
haven't got the Rotten Tomato scores, but I think critically as well, it's sort of considered Craig's least favourite outing. So for me, Quantum of Solace, 2008, that comes in at number four. Yeah, and when you say Craig, you mean Daniel Craig, not Milling. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, imagine you as James Bond. I'd be a balding, bellied. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm super offended. Well, well... <laughs> Anyway, coincidentally, David, my number four is also Quantum of Solace. Wow. I do remember being not unimpressed, but just disappointed in the sense that there was some pacing issues, I think. And I I remember feeling quite bored um, with the film at certain points. And you should never be bored with a James Bond. No, that's one thing you should not be is bored. Yeah. Um, And Quantum of Solace, you're right, from memory, did have some pacing issues um, in there. My number three, then... Oh, David, did you forget to put your phone I on I did. Silent. I apologise. Silence that phone. <laughs> um, so uh, my number three then is Spectre. Um, so this comes in from Sam Mendes. It was his, it, Sam Mendes directed this. Um, it was, well, it's the second film that uh, Sam Mendes directed. Yeah. Um, I re- just remember not being disappointed, being, I just felt... It wasn't as good as the first Sam Mendes film that he directed for Bond yep. uh, or for Daniel Craig. And yeah, I don't know. There was, I think there were more twists um, in the other films. I, I mean, it's difficult. I don't want to put, just sort of say which comes next. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, bizarrely, though, my number three is also Spectre. Uh, now, I actually rewatched this with my dad the other day. Mm. Um a couple of things that stood out for me, really like the opening sequence. Sam Mendes does it in that appearing to be one take. Um, the camera follows our um, protagonist, uh, 007, through this carnival of the dead in so Mexico, Mexico City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, I just thought it was a very good, engaging opening sequence. Mm. Um, and what really struck me about Spectre was just some of the humour in there. Um, some of the humour inspector, one of my favourite bits is where Bond drives his Aston Martin into a river, ejects himself out of the top of the car, comes casually cruising down into an Italian city on a parachute. There's just a man <laughs> picking up litter, putting it in the bin, and he's just like, good evening. And then just does his cufflinks <laughs> and carries on walking. Um, really enjoyed Spectre upon a rewatch. Um, very, very happy for that to come in at number three. Um no surprise then. My number two is actually uh, Sam Mendes' 2012 Skyfall. <laughs> Mine too. Oh, wow. Okay, so <laughs> we've literally... We 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 didn't know um, what each other's were going to be, but it seems that we've actually put them in, in the identical order. Um, and look, <laughs> Skyfall is a very, very good James Bond film. Yep. My favourite bit is when that old boy has the sawn-off shotgun and says, Welcome to Scotland! <laughs> um, which, if you've ever been to Scotland, it's the kind of place where you ask for a lager and lime and they say, We don't do cocktails. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a rough old place. It's a beautiful part of the world, by the way, Scotland. Um, very good for golf, if you're into that, um, which I am, and I'm also very bad at. Um, just thought I'd let our <laughs> listeners know. But Scotland's a beautiful part of the world, but Skyfall... The only reason, see, Casino Royale is better. Basically, there's, there's not there's not much at all yeah. wrong with Skyfall. No, um, Javier Bardem, uh, I think he's he's tremendous in there. Um, I, you are looking at me strangely. I have no, quoted the right no, no, villain. No, 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 yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm looking at you strangely because, um, for me, mm. why this is, comes in at number two is because well, it's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a, an amazing 
Daniel Craig James Bond film because of the emotional attachment that this Bond has to certain characters. Yes, it's it's the most I don't know Bond without his armor on that we see. We see it in Casino Royale. He Mm. lets his guard down massively in Casino Royale, only to his detriment. But the reason why number one Casino Royale is there for me, revealing it there, is because. It was the first Bond film that I saw in the cinema. Oh wow! First of all, it was the first Bond film that I, I really sort of felt, wow, this is what a spy thriller should be. Mm. It 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 I don't know. It 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 was the beginning of Bond. It really was the beginning of Bond because for my generation, for lots of other reasons as well, but the, the way that it starts off in black and white and just the beautiful cinematography and Daniel Craig just oozes just class, class, absolute class. And at that point, Daniel Craig was known, but relatively unknown yep. in some realms. I suppose he's not as well known. Um, and I don't know. It was uber cool. Like, yeah, it um, really was. And, and, and I think the, the whole, gambling like the casino literally yes. yeah the good gambling <laughs> but the, the the poker game yeah um is just incredible and i remember really getting into poker after that yeah and i just remember just watching it over and over again um when it came out um as soon as it came out on blu-ray this is the era when sony brought out the playstation 4 with the mm. blu-ray and and the the casino royale was bundled with it um oh, so wow. it was you know, for me, you know, I think that's what made this is a, a whole other tangent, but I think it's what basically made uh, the PlayStation Four the most popular gaming console when that came out over the Xbox, where it came out at the same time because it had the Blu-ray player in it, and they bundled it with Casino with Royale, and James Bond. Yeah, exactly, and I, th- I think that just and not just because of that because but but this film for me is the ultimate james bond film as like a sandwich like we say but it's the bread part but it's the really good bread Mm. part like it's the best piece of bread on top that you could (laughs) ever have in your entire life and yeah yeah and i reiterate what you say i mean for for me casino out i i just love everything about it i love the i love that we see this this new era of bond this Daniel Craig era launched like a rocket into orbit. We'd come off the back of um, Piers Brosnan's Bonds where things had got a little bit silly, where we had things yeah. like invisible cars and some of the gadgets had got a little bit stupid and we had John Cleese in there. And I love John Cleese, but, you know, some people didn't like him casting Bond, thought he wasn't, you know, perfectly cast. And and Craig comes in, this more serious Bond. Um, Casino Royale, like you say, visually very, very smart. But those the casino scenes are some of my favourite of any James Bond. Yeah. You know I'm a gambling man. You know I like a bet. Oh, in six million. That's my kind of bet. All in <laughs> six million. Um, that's a man's bet. I wish I had six million pounds to go all in on. Uh, I don't. Um, 
and it's just it's just a fantastic film and like you said as well it was the 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 start of a new kind of bond in the sense that we saw bond without his armor we saw him fall Letting his guard down in love with a certain lady um Vesper. no no spoilers as to what happened there if you haven't seen casino Royale and you're listening to this show i'm very surprised um yeah but- i mean we can spoil the hell out of those ones i think <laughs> yeah so he gets very attached to her and she gets tied in with with the new film as well but yeah for me casino royale uh, also number one that was not what i was expecting i was expecting us to argue debate um but um should we move swiftly on yeah i mean where do we go from here then so from that we want to talk about i suppose who might be the next james yes. bond let's do a bit of speculation now that daniel craig has moved on uh, no time to die is over i suppose um obviously we haven't given our review part of that yet we will delve into that but it's just interesting david has listed here some betting odds of course um as oh, to who have, might yeah. be the next james um, bond and this is very interesting and i won't dive too much into the actual odds themselves but i can confirm that in the uk the betting favorite to be next james bond is tom uh, hardy um he is the betting favorite just a little bit bigger than three to one that's all i'll say but he is the bookmaker's favorite what does that mean the bookmaker think that Tom Hardy will be the next James Bond. Um, thoughts on that firstly, Craig? Um, just disagree. I, I think Tom Hardy is too much of a huge star. And I think if we work our way down the list, we yeah, don't need to do. put the betting on. We've got Tom Hardy in first, uh, Henry Cavill second, Idris Elba in third. Uh, we have Reggie Jean Page uh, in fourth. Reggie Jean Page in fourth. Uh, David, you want to go down from fifth? Yeah, James Norton in fifth. Michael Fassbender in at number six. Luke Evans is at seven. Uh, Eight, Killian Murphy. Nine, Tom Hiddleston. And ten, Jack O'Connell. I could have listed many, many more. David Beckham is in the betting (laughs) at 200 to one. Yeah, no, thank you. um, Or 1,000 to one, I think, actually. Um, So there's loads of names, but they're the ten that I narrowed it down to. Thoughts? Um, well, looking at this list, I can pick out one person that I can almost guarantee that I think will be Bond, and it's James Norton. Mm. I think looking... Uh, Reggie Jean Page is somebody that I think could also be Bond. I totally agree with that. But it's it's out of those two, if I'm honest. So everyone above those two, Idris Elba, Henry Cavill, Tom Hardy, far too famous. T- uh, Henry Cavill would make a much better villain, I think. Uh, he was a villain in, in Mission Impossible with the big moustache, if you remember that. Yes, I do. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think he would be great as a villain in uh, in, in, in a Bond film. Um, I think Tom Hardy, far, far too famous. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 interesting you say about the fame because I was speaking to my dad um, about James Bond, about No Time to Die, about the franchise, about where it goes next, and it was him that was saying actually that historically James Bond hasn't been played by huge stars. It's actually been up and coming stars that have really become famous through the role of Bond, and I yeah. think. We, if you if you're a film buff, you obviously know who Daniel Craig is. But I remember when it was announced, a lot of people would say, "Well, who is Daniel Craig?" Yeah, yeah. Um, I even think everybody. Uh, Reggie Jean Page is a very big household name at the minute. Mm. Um, I think James Norton isn't so. I think we we've reviewed a film on Cinema at Home that stars James Norton, and he was fantastic. It was uh, Mr. Jones, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was which an was a great film, an espionage spy thriller, and he was 
He he wasn't a spy in it, so to speak, though, was he? He was a journalist who went out yeah, uh, to to Russia, and he I think it was to Russia actually. He but was, he, yeah. he was writing on the famine that was going out on out there, uh, trying to raise awareness for it, and um, because the government were hiding it basically, well, yeah, covering it up, and it was a really brilliant film mm. seek it out if you haven't seen it yeah um but james norton in this film i uh, james norton altogether i think he is the he is the my he's my number one favorite 100 percent. he's not as well known he is he has the looks of a good bond i yep. think and I, I hate to say that but he does look like a good bond yeah he has this like he if we're comparing him to daniel craig he is a young he is a young Daniel Craig in a way. Do we want another Daniel Craig? No, but I think the way Different that he, well. he moves, the way he mm. talks, I think he could be a very classy Bond, and that is what Bond is. I can't see, all right, below James Norton now, Michael Fassbender, I can't see. He is definitely far too famous as well, possibly slightly uh, in an age bracket, bracket that I wouldn't want to see a new Bond in. Now, if they're rebooting Bond in a way that they might be doing it, which is completely from the beginning perhaps or um mich- i don't know i don't know where they're picking yeah. this up could this be the an older bond or a younger bond because how they do this next mm. is going to be very confusing i'm i'm hoping i'm not giving anything away by saying those things but the way that the next bond series is going to unfold it it's going to be hard to see how they do this um, Luke Evans again. I just don't see him being a Bond. Uh, everyone's far too famous underneath, like Killian Murphy, Tom Hiddleston, Jack O'Connell. Jack O'Connell, it's a possibility, but I just don't see him playing a Bond. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like my dad as well. We were talking about this. He was all over James Norton, uh, and as every good gambler does, Craig, I've had some dodgy information, some inside I was information. You were going to say you were going to say you've, <laughs> you've placed a bet. No, I haven't. I haven't actually. But James Norton was the dodgy information that I had from a very unreputable source. Why this? person would have any idea who the next James who Bond is. Who is this person? Fat Baz. Who's Fat Baz? It, yeah, people are laughing now. Fat Baz is a reputable punter in the local community and I've had good information that James Norton is going to be the next James Bond. In so local, if you're listening, Baz, thank you. In the local community, Hetmore Hempstead. Well, the, the gambling community in whole. I mean, but that's anyway, a big, let's, that's, surely that's a huge community. <laughs> it's a rather large community. But um, all jokes aside, for, for both me and for both Craig, um, James Norton um, is our sort of pick, prediction, um, wizardry, our mystic Meg, um, look at who potentially the next James Bond could be. And now it's time to delve into... No Time to Die, directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga, and we've got a number of writers on board here where I'm going to delve in here because Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge all have their names attached to the script. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, should I say, was brought in to make some tweaks, um, some interesting facts here. Um, there were some creative differences made. Danny Boyle was on set to direct the film originally and during the pre-production stages he left 
on creative differences. Um, there were definitely some things that happened during the production of this film that made this a very difficult film to bring to screen, not to mention the COVID pandemic that delayed the film by nearly two years yeah. coming out. So one of the things that Phoebe Waller-Bridge came in to do was to spice up the the script. And what, but upon watching the film, what do you think she's brought to the package here? Uh, she is the writer and actress from Fleabag. Um, I don't know if you've seen the television series Fleabag. I have not. She's also done Killing Eve. Um, so these are two very high profile television series um, that got high praise, uh, massive amounts of high praise. And if do you do you have you haven't seen those then have you i haven't i'm afraid okay no. so from my point of view of being a fan of those television programs things that i think she could bring to this film were trying to make this film less of a less sexist in a way you know james bond films do prolifically border on sex and not even border they do go down that road of actually being sexist one of the main things that Carrie Joji Fukunaga has gone on record actually saying was that there is a, fil- a James Bond film, I can't remember which one it was, but there is some serious poor taste happening in it. And at that time, it was seen to be acceptable. Acceptable, yeah. It's but, a very different era now. Yeah, and, and Fukunaga is, has gone on record saying that he didn't want his film to be like that. And it's clear here with the way that this film unfolds, that there are some very strong female characters in this film. And I mean, very strong. And I think Wallabridge had a lot to do with that possibly. Um, and it was on Daniel Craig's request that she came in to do this. So I, I think, I, I mean, where are we going with that then? So, I mean, let's, <laughs> let's start with, with the cast. Let's have a look yeah, at the, go the, on them. Uh, the great cast we've got here. Um, obviously starring Daniel Craig, uh, Rami Malek, uh, Leah Sedoy, um, mm-hmm. which is French. Hopefully I got that right. Uh, Lashana Lynch, Ray Fiennes, Christoph Waltz, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, and Jeffrey Wright. I mean, just looking through that, um, that tremendous selection of actors. The first thing to say about this film is that the, 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 the casting is, is very, very strong. Um, obviously we've got a number of people reprising their roles with Ray Fiennes, uh, Ben Wishaw as Q, Ray Fiennes as M, um, Naomi Harris as Eve Moneypenny, Je- Jeffrey Wright, um, as uh, Felix Leiter and uh, Leah Sado as Madeline Swan. Um, so, I mean, where do you want to dive in with that? What was your non? This is obviously trying to be a non-spoiler yeah, review. What was your favourite? Um, what was your favourite performance from there? And also, what did you think of Lashana Lynch? This sort of strong, black, empowering female role. Um, something very, very different. Obviously, a double O, um, the new double O seven. That's not giving anything away. That was in the trailer. Um, what did you make of some of the casting here? And and do you think that fits in with that narrative of that different um, sort of writers that were on board with this particular Bond? So, yeah, I, I, that, we'll start off with um, uh, the new 00 agent that is presented to us, this strong black woman who is clearly somebody who could actually now go off and do a spin-off uh, yeah. from this franchise. Um, I think she was absolutely brilliant. I, I do feel like this is a character that came out of Waller Bridge, perhaps, um, or as a or as somebody who's come in here and said, right, we need to have 
a strong female character in mm. here and 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 not just um the to go alongside like Naomi Harris who 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 plays Money Penny who I feel like got sidelined you know in um uh, I can't remember which one she was in where she shot Bond in the yeah, leg. off the top of my head, I, I can't remember. I think it might have been Quantum of Solace, you know. I, do you know what? I genuinely can't remember, so forgive no, us for that. I can't remember. Um, but, but they think, do allude to that in this in this one as well, which yeah, is quite fun. I think it is quite fun, but I do feel like she got sidelined a bit where she had... I mean, it was great that she Money Penny was this character in, the, in this set of films to become... Uh, she she's got she does some action. She is a double O agent almost to begin with, but then becomes the secretary, which <laughs> I don't I didn't quite like that. But to see a new character introduced, I thought, yeah, brilliant there. Um, but standout performance wise, it's got to be Daniel Craig. Da- his this is his last outing, and he gave it everything in this mm. film. He is a machine. He is absolutely incredible and. Could this be Daniel Craig's last opportunity, well, it is, to get an Oscar for Bond? Do you think he could be nominated? Uh, no. You don't think he could be nominated for this? No, not a chance. Really? Yeah. Not, Interesting. Not, uh, I didn't know you were going to ask that. Um, and uh, it gives me a good opportunity to plug the uh, the show that I'll be going on very, very soon with my good buddies, Mike, Mike and Oscar. Um, I'm going to be going on their show. We're going to be doing a James Bond review. Should be their traditional format, non-spoiler first half, and then a real deep dive spoiler second half. Um I, I'm sure if you ask those guys the same question, um, James Bond has, has, has never been nominated for an Oscar. And I just seen there's no... Look, this is a very good Daniel Craig performance. This is a very layered Bond. Um, this is very much like we spoke about in Casino Royale. This is an emotional Bond, a more fragile Bond, a much more human Bond than that sort of killing machine we've seen in other films. But the, the chances of him being um, nominated for Best Actor are very, very slim, almost zero, I would say. Really? Yeah. Why, did you? Did it strike you as a sort of a, an Oscar kind of... Performance, perhaps, I feel like it's the Academy may award or nominate Craig for his his contribution to Bond. I think like from, as an all-rounded perspective, this has been the best Bond we may have had, you know, bar maybe Sean Connery, but the Academy have never awarded that. I mean, musically, yes, they have. Yeah. Um, But I, I I feel like this could be... There is an opportunity. I think there is. I think there could be a nomination. I don't think there could be a win, but I feel like they he could be nominated just for the sake of being like, well done, pat on the back, sort of thing. Good mm. to see you. Well done. Come again another time, maybe one day. <laughs> um, I wholeheartedly disagree. Um, <laughs> uh, it's 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 an it's a stacked up category already. Uh, Will Smith is the current bookmaker's favourite for King Richard. Um, you've got other big big performances in that category. Um, I, I just it just won't happen. I wouldn't rule out a nomination at least. I would. Okay. <laughs> All right. But. Uh, forgive me. I I also forgot to mention Christoph Waltz as Blofeld. So let me let me just briefly touch upon. I've said Craig's Bond um, 
really, really good. Uh, Christoph Waltz. I love Christoph Waltz. Loved him in Django Unchained. Loved him in Inglorious Bastards. Um, Two Tarantino films. Loved him in... He's multilingual. I hope that's the right word. Um, so he speaks a number of different languages and he does it very, very well. But what he does is he commands the screen. And when he's on screen in this film, he really holds you. And there's, uh, again, non-spoiler, one, it's in the trailer, one particular scene where Bond and Blofeld meet up. And that's tense. It's beautifully shot, but it's a real tense. You feel like a fly on the wall looking in at these two men that have a history, that have a past. Um, I thought Christoph Waltz as a bad guy was really, really good. And that sort of leads me on to what did you make of Rami Malek's performance? Because I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't been reading reviews, uh-huh. but I've been flicking through Twitter and I have seen the odd thing. And some people are saying it's a bit of a one dimensional performance. Would you agree with that? I wouldn't say it's one dimensional, but I will say it's a very, he, his character is a very strange character and he doesn't, I, I feel like they've brought in Waller Bridge to increase the, uh, the female aspect to the film, like giving them more, I don't know more more dimensions mm. to to the to the female characters, and they've kind of forgotten about the the, the antagonist in yes, the film. Yes, I agree. And Rami Malek's performance may not be bad, but I do feel like his character is under I don't know underdeveloped. Um, and it's a shame because Rami Malek is a fantastic actor, and yeah. he can. He I feel like he wasn't given enough here to really be a great Bond villain. There is a lot lacking here. He is a very atypical Bond villain and just not explored enough. We get a bit of backstory to it, not enough. Yeah. Um, I feel like there could have been a lot more with the plot where it's... I don't want to give too much yeah, away. Not to give but where it's away. interwoven with another character within yeah. the film. There wasn't enough spoken about it. There yeah. wasn't enough seen or told that really gave us this this antagonist needs to die. It it, it Yeah, it, yeah, I totally get what you're saying there, yeah. Always in a bomb film there's some well not always, but there is this an antagonist that has a weapon that threatens the world essentially yeah. and bond is the one that comes in to fix it there are the stakes are raised a lot more in this film for various reasons there is a, a, an emotional attachment here that gets bond very heavily invested in this uh, antagonist there is also the aspect of where this weapon has come from that malik's character uh, acquires yeah. and it's the capabilities of this weapon that again, feels very underdeveloped and yeah. very easily written to provide uh, a way of murdering many people in mm. one go. And yeah. it's almost impossible to believe that this is real when this set of films have grounded us in the in in the in how real things can be within these films. Yeah. Um, so this weapon seems a bit far fetched for me to actually think that this is well written. If you see what I mean, totally understand what you're saying there. Isn't it 
Isn't it strange, Craig, that you're looking at a two-hour, 43-minute running time, I think, off the top of my head, may have got that wrong, that you have an underdeveloped bad guy? Like, you would think... Uh, one of my... sort of Talking about our hopes and aspirations for the films, and one of my concerns going into the film was, is this going to be too long? We'll get onto that later. But in, in fact, it almost... Some of the character development feels a little bit rushed. Um, in terms of Madeline Swan, I like what they did with her character um ralph finds his m i just think he brings i i i can't i struggle sometimes to not see lord voldemort i know um yep. Yep. yeah just harry potter is dead oh. you know Bond, come to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know why, because I he's in so many incredible films, but whenever I see him, particularly when he gets angry, I just think of angry Lord Voldemort. <laughs> That's um, quite funny. But And you can say <laughs> the same about Ben... Um, Wishaw, obviously a lot of people just hear Paddington Bear, um, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright. I mean, you did a really good impression of him off air. But in terms of the characters here and the performances, um, because I did want to move on, um, I think they're all very, very solid. I think for me, the standout performances are from... Um, uh, Lashana Lynch uh, as Nomi. I think she's really, really strong. Um just to say that um, the producer um, of No Time to Die has actually said that uh, James Bond, as far as she's concerned, is a male character. Um, and she has said that um, a woman won't portray the spy going forward and also that she wouldn't discuss Craig's replacement until 2022. Um, just to slip that in there. I know yeah. Craig wants to just touch upon something there, I think. Yeah, I think it's, I th I think it's um, important to distinguish that James Bond is a male yeah. and I think 007 can be a female yeah. and I think they've proven that within this movie but to replace James Bond as Jane Bond it doesn't feel yeah. natural or right or I don't know it just doesn't feel like it would work I mean it may it may, you must have the right writers and the right directors and the right casting to make it work, but it is going to be a real challenge to make that work. I, I, I genuinely believe that James Bond will always be James Bond. Mm, I agree. But there is no reason not to have a strong female 007. Yeah. Who could be another female, and they have proved it. Yeah. So why not? I mean, we're both singing off the same hymn sheet in the sense that we want to see more female directors, we want to see more female producers, we want to see more females given opportunity in film. That doesn't necessarily mean that the James Bond franchise has to be taken over and led by a female. That's my personal opinion. I know other people have different ones. And um, we've touched a little bit upon the acting. I just wanted to touch again, non-spoiler, on that opening, um, what did you call it in the notes? A title you, sequence. Opening title sequence. Um, I'm going to go straight in and just say, I thought the opening title sequence was absolutely fantastic. One of my favourite in the, in the Daniel Craig era. Um, just... Really, really good. Um, really good drama, really good uh, script, um, really good plot. Um, some absolutely stunning... Really um, good plot. Yeah. No, <laughs> just... It, really, I know. Really good plot. Do you know what I mean, though? In the sense that you want, you want a story that immediately grabs you. And the way this story begins, 
just interested me immediately it had my my attention I, I, i'm just uh, curious as to sort of just make sure i understand what you're talking about so the the, the opening title sequence you're talking about is mm. isn't is the bit with the music over the top Billie eilish's song no time to Die. everything before that and through through that okay so that beginning part yeah isn't the title sequence my apologies I'll i would say that's it. just the the opening part of the film and then it goes into that title sequence okay sorry i should have been clearer so the, so the title, <laughs> sorry. So, the, so that so that title sequence that we see we've had this since casino royale we have this animated silhouetted bond yeah, followed yeah. by lots of animated strange things that are correlated to, to, the, plot, to yeah. the plot of the film and it always seems to do that and I think this one no less is, is brilliant but my favourite one I think was Skyfall I think the music for Skyfall was absolutely spot on with Adele's uh, 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 um, theme I think that was yeah. one of my it's one of my favourite ones um, and then Billie Eilish comes in here with a song that I, I think it's very captivating. I think it works over the title sequence, but as a standalone song, I don't feel like it, it works quite so well. It it takes almost a, a minute and a half to actually pick up into mm. anything. Um, I think she's a, a fantastic uh, uh, musician um, and her brother, who also writes most of the songs and mixes and produces them, I think he's absolutely brilliant as well and they're a great team and I, I see a long career for those guys. But yeah, this this... I think the title sequence for this one is is one of the best. Casino Royale is my favourite, yeah. um, definitely. Um, yeah. Maybe I should have been clearer. What I was referring to is the opening of the film then. Yeah, Maybe so the I opening should... of the film and not yeah. the title sequence. Yeah, my apologies. Um, just some of the shots of the Aston Martin DB5 in the mountain and there's some great cinematography with a motorbike scene. Um, and it's just, it's just good, good stuff. And it was just that opening, I don't know, 10... 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just said, here's no time to die. Sit back, yep. get prepared um, and, and get your popcorn ready because you're in for a bit of a thrill ride. And I just touched upon it there and that leads us nicely onto our sort of next segment. And that was the cinematography. Um, so when I watched the trailer for this No Time to Die, I, I thought... Oh, there's a couple of really nice bits of cinematography there. The bit where Bond goes up, up some steps over a bridge on his motorbike. A bit where there's some operatives walking up the side of a building with the sun either rising or setting in London in the background. And also that bit where our Bond villain is shooting through the ice and we've got that you know, low shot of the bullets coming through the ice. And I thought this cinematography looks really, really good. And then I did a bit of research um, and the cinematography comes from Linus Sandgren. Um, he's actually an Academy Award winning Swedish cinematographer. He won his Oscar for La La Land, but he also did the cinematography on American Hustle. And I think most importantly, First Man. Like I thought there was a lot of First Man style shots in this film. And what do I mean by that? That close-up, personal, very intimate cinematography that we got of Ryan Gosling in First Man. Yeah, so it's important to remember that this film is shot for IMAX as well. So yeah. um, uh, Linus Sangren has lots of experience with First Man shooting with IMAX cameras, but also modifying the cameras to allow them to get very intimate with uh, uh, um, with uh, Ryan Gosling in in um, the cockpit of of the planes that he was flying in that bit, um, and, so and it, obviously the Apollo moon missions exactly. as well. So and the cinematography in that film is extraordinary. Um, it translates well into No Time to Die, I think, and 
uh, I, there are some outstanding shots, but I think also it's the um, choreography in this film as well. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's it, that sort of leads us into like the action as well in mm. in some respects. So the, the 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 choreography that goes hand in hand with the cinematography and the yeah. movement of the actors and and the fight scenes, it's really well done. And I think this is one of the most heavy combated hand-to-hand combated bonds that we've seen in a while and i think jay daniel craig is excellent yeah it's intimate it's very personal it is and 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 those and what got me is that that again during the production he actually broke his ankle oh really and yeah so it's really bad and there was only one scene that i noticed this and i noticed it before I knew that he had actually broken his ankle during production. And it was a scene where he was running in that opening 15-minute scene before the title sequence kicked in. That There was a scene where he was running as fast as he could, and it really looked noticeable that he had injured himself. Um, but I don't... Did you notice that at all? I, I, I must say I didn't. I was just so awestruck by the, the size of this IMAX screen, um, having not been <laughs> in the IMAX for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I didn't notice that. Um, but it's little things like that that once you notice them, you'll... You, I mean, when I if I rewatch it for a third time, um, I will I will look out for that. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely spot on um, about the action sequences. I just thought they looked... Not only that opening sort of ten fifteen minutes, but throughout the whole film, they were they were beautifully shot. Like we said, the cinematography was nice, but they just looked very very well done, mm. um, and they just looked very sleek and clean. Like this looked like the biggest of big budget Hollywood films. Like we see a lot of films, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. And we see a lot of, you know, not low budget but medium budget films that you think. Yeah, the action's okay, but what stands out here is is incredible action. Yeah, it's um, incredible. It's silly at times, but you know what? It it's great silly, and it's fun silly, and it's it's extraordinary silly, and it's it's great. It, it really is, and it was so good to be back in the IMAX and be back in a cinema full of people. It wasn't completely sold out, but it was sold out enough to enjoy with an audience. It wasn't Endgame at midnight. Yeah. That yeah. was that was incredible when we saw that. People were literally cheering. Yeah, I mean... Shouting. Exactly. People were whooping. People were in awe of what was happening and unfolding yeah. in front of them. People weren't in awe here because I don't think the audience was big enough to, to get that reaction. No. Like, but I, 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 I was astounded. And the sound in this film, yeah. especially from the IMAX, just engulfed you. Well, that's something that I wanted to touch upon. We, you, you mentioned um, uh, Daniel Craig's Oscar chances, um, and this is something I really look forward to talking to Mike, Mike, and Oscar about. What do they think? No Time to Die could do come uh, Oscars Sunday. Like sound for me, we used to have two categories. Now it's just sound. Like I don't know if there will be a better sound design on a movie um, in the next couple of months. Like I thought the sound design on this was 
fantastic. Um, one particular, again, it's not a spoiler moment where there's an explosion and Bond can't really hear. Just you're literally put inside of his head. You know that when you hear a big bang and mm. then you literally have that whistling. We're literally put inside of James Bond's head. Um, the the guns, the sound of the screeching tires, um, just the overall levels and layers in the IMAX. The sound of this movie just completely blew me away. Yeah. You would know more and about the technical side. Well, of it than I was going to say it's very. That was very reminiscent of Sound of Metal, where we are inside his head. Yeah. We hear what he hears. Yeah, and and that was really really great to see in this film. And it's like taking a, a, a smaller budget film. And and taking their techniques and implanting and, and it into a huge it Hollywood it. film, whether that was right and just or not, in the in that sense, it, it was nice to sort of see it implemented and woven into a film of this sort of this thing uh, at this this magnitude. Um, that what else can we say about this film without spoiling it though? Um, I mean, I think we've done a tremendous job, really. Um, have we to- have we spoke about the pace? Um, of the film. I can't quite remember. Forgive us if we have. I don't think we have. No, we haven't yet. Um, what did you think of the pace of it? Because I saw one tweet today that said this was the worst paced James Bond film ever. But I would disagree with that. Um, I would totally disagree with that. So why did I mention earlier that I've watched this film twice? Well, I've watched this film twice in under 24 hours and at no point in either viewing was I bored. My opinion then is that's a well-paced film. And if you can go almost back to back, I watched this last night at midnight, today at 2.30, literally 12 hours apart. Um, if you can do that and enjoy it, I actually preferred it on a rewatch. I think this film improves for a rewatch. Did you did you see it in IMAX again then? I saw it in screen three, which, would, which is basically the super screen. Um, so I didn't see it in, which kind of is. Yeah, I mean it's near enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a big screen. Craig's shaking <laughs> his head. It's not super screen, but um, it's it's our local cinema. It's 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 a big screen. But I didn't to answer your question. No, I didn't see it in the IMAX. Good, <laughs> but it was a it was a hell of a big screen. Yeah. I will say that. Um, but yeah, upon a rewatch, I thought I actually thought this was really well paced in the sense that you have that action sequence, then it pulls you in with a bit of drama, then you have a bit more of a plot development, and then it really slows down with that scene, for example, between Bond and Blofeld, and then it picks up again with another action sequence. I thought the film was really well paced. It didn't feel two hours 43. No. felt about an hour 43. So that, in my opinion, and if anything, there could have been more here. So I think it's a very good job on the editing front as well. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to look at the pace, just let me analyse that a little bit more. That like this, this film has again the most emotional bond that we've seen, and that's going to slow down the film a little bit if we want to see that emotion. And we get the we get it in buckets, just so many. Uh, emotional parts to the film and it's saying goodbye in in lots of different ways and in one of the ways that we we see that happening is is the way that we we say goodbye to friends perhaps that mm. we've seen throughout the franchise and and it's 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 not like goodbye goodbye but it's like these people might not reprise the role that they've yeah. had. So like Ben Whishaw is probably not going to reprise the role of, of Q and he's gone on record to say that. And I feel like he's really went out with a bang in this film. Like he, he really played a real true emotional part within the film. Uh, Jeffrey Wright as well with Felix uh, Letter. I feel like he played a really great 
friend throughout the film, throughout the what, series, Craig, Craig yeah. series, and he gets a really great uh, scene in this film as well that I, I I loved, and I love Jeffrey Wright anyway. Yeah, so do I. I mean, he's got a great voice. He's currently um, uh, like narrating What If, the the, the, the TV series on uh, Disney Plus for Marvel. Um, he plays the Watcher, who basically narrates and sees everything. It's brilliant. Um, There's so much stuff that I need to watch on I Disney know, Plus. So I pay for Disney Plus and I barely ever use it. Well, you should use I it. I just more. watch the same films again and again and the same documentaries. I'm a terrible human being <laughs> and I and I wonder why I don't get enough time to squeeze in more films. But, but yeah, um, <laughs> but, but but yeah, like the, what I'm saying about the pacing is that there is this emotional like characters saying goodbye to each other almost and mm. it doesn't slow down the film though but you have to put the brakes on a little bit to get yeah. that emotional connection but there's always action followed by these things that happen and I loved it in that sense I, I loved the pacing because I was always engaged always connected to the characters and always just enjoying the silliness of the action as well and it, it, yeah wicked wicked stuff yeah um, I mean I think we've done a, a We've done a pretty good job, I will say, without spoiling it, I think. Um, and are we going to do, are we going to finish it with the usual, is it worth it? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah. Um, so, and, unless you have anything further to add. I don't think I do. Um, other than, other than we, we mentioned costume, hair and makeup, that was all on point. You know, the the costume design in this film, Craig looks sharp, uh, the ladies yeah, look good, um, the, the hair and makeup's on point as well. Um, what can, what can, can we say anything about the ending? No, without spoiling it. No, you reckon not? No, I think we've done really, really well. And I, I can I, I not that, say one thing? No, you cannot. I refuse to allow you to go thirty minutes of doing a non-spoiler review and then you ruining it. So no, you will not say a single word. Okay, uh, I have I have spoken. Um, not even one thing. No, because I don't know what you're going to say. And if um, you, it's one word. One word. N- <sighs> no. Because you'll ruin it. I won't. Craig. I won't. I won't ruin it. I won't ruin it. It's, Why do you need to just, say one just, word? Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, did uh, I that, ruin it? No. Okay. No. Well, literally, no. if you don't, wow. If you want to say wow, you can say wow. Um, what did I think of the ending? Find out on Mike, Mike, and Oscar in uh, in the spoiler section because I literally don't want to say anything about what I thought of the ending, other than Craig. No time to die. Is this worth seeing? And is it worth seeing in the cinema? Yes, this is definitely worth seeing in the cinema. This is the film that is going to bring back cinema goers to the big screen. We already know that this film is going to be sold out from Friday onwards, more or less. Um, Pre-sales are high on the film. Um, It is going to be huge. Shang-Chi is currently the biggest grossing box office film uh, in the world for 2021, I believe Bond can outdo that 100%. I think I think you're probably right. Um, and is it, you know, people will think, is it worth the price of a cinema ticket or did you just answer that question? Basically, yes, I did. It's so, <laughs> so worth going I'm so to see sorry. in the cinema. Um, fair enough. I apologise for my buffoonery. Um, would you like to ask me the question? <laughs> David, no time to die. Is it worth it? Yeah, for all the reasons we've outlined, I think this is not only worth seeing in the cinema, 
I think this is worth seeing on the biggest screen possible, whether that's super screen or IMAX or I don't know if it's in 4DX or any of these other fancy modern kind of screenings. Um, go and see it in the cinematic ex- ex- environment. Um, I think the cinematography in this is some of the nicest I've seen of any Bond film. I think the performances are great. Um, I think the pace is on point. The sound design is is tremendous. Um yeah, don't want to say anything about the ending, but this film is worth seeing in the cinema, so go and see it at your local picture house. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to our special episode dedicated to all things Bond and our review of No Time to Die. We appreciate you, the listener, and we'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode. If you have anything you wish to share about James Bond, the James Bond franchise, or in fact the new film No Time to Die, then you can email the show at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address again is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Follow us on social media at Film Is Worth It on Twitter or search for Is It Worth It on Facebookery and Instagram. Get involved with us on social media. We love it. Yeah, we do. Uh, if you're listening online through the website, you can subscribe to the podcast using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all good podcasting apps. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. would appreciate that. Okay, that wasn't in the script. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please do. We really value your wonderful feedback and appreciate all your reviews. Craig, it's been an absolute honour, as always, and all that leaves me to say is, he's been Craig Fields. I thought you were going to do, he's been Fields. Craig Okay, Fields. Uh, let me go for it again. Yeah, do it again. And he's been Fields. Craig Fields and he's been long long gone (laughs) (laughs) no David Long (laughs) (laughs) we we always have to end on a bad joke and this has been been, Is Is It it Worth It it, the film review podcast podcast, James Bond special and we didn't practice that no we didn't Um, anyway that's the end of the show guys thanks very much for listening and we will see you very very soon